From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And today, my guest, AMS Vocations Director, Father Aidan Logan. Father Logan, thank you so much for talking to me today. Always a pleasure. And our topic is uh, vocations here at the Archdiocese. Some good news this year. Uh against the backdrop of uh, so much bad news, the coronavirus pandemic, the racial tensions and social unrest spreading across our country. Uh, We're recording this in mid-June. And Father Logan, this year is a banner year for vocations and ordinations. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yes, indeed, Taylor. Well, uh, this year we've had uh, a total of... um, 18 ordinations, uh, eight eight priests and 10 deacons who will be ordained next year. I believe that's a record. It certainly is. And um, so uh, this goes back uh, to now my immediate predecessor and my first years. These are the men we brought in uh, five, six years ago when I first began this job in uh, January of 2014. And so uh, 18 ordinations, and uh, there are a lot more in the pipeline, too. Yes, well, altogether we have uh, 48 men in the program, counting our new priests this year, and we have at least four men lined up to enter the seminary this fall, and then another five or six where we're still working on their uh, applications to diocese, and some of them are on active duty in the military and need to be uh, removed uh, from the active list and uh, become chaplain candidates and so on. And this, too, is a record. Back in uh, 2008, there weren't but seven young men coming through the through the seminary to become chaplains. Now we're up to 48 and more coming in the fall, which is a reflection, obviously, of your hard work over the last uh, six or seven years. Well, more than that, because it really is the foresight and initiative of of Cardinal O'Brien when he was our uh, military ordinary here, and he was the first one to have a full-time vocation director in the person of Father John McLaughlin from Boston. And Father McLaughlin was uh, uh, relieved by Father Cary Abbott a few years later, a retired Air Force priest, and and then I came on in 2014. So they laid the foundation and really created the program and the, uh, that we're still following to this day. And so I have to say that uh, it's really built on that foundation that I've been able to work with these fine young men. And there's a tremendous need in the military for Catholic priests. How big a shortage do we have? Uh, it's it's pretty, pretty serious. Um, when I became a chaplain in the Navy in 1991, there were 220 priests in the Navy, and that's the cover. The, the Navy Chaplain Corps provides chaplains for the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Coast Guard, and the Merchant Marine. And, of course, is spread all over the world all the time. So 220 was just enough. We actually did have a shortage of chaplains even then. And this is just the Navy. Yes. 
Uh, and that number is now down to 52, which means that uh, many, if not most, of the deployments that go out for six or seven months go without a priest. Uh, the Air Force and the Army are in similar situations. The Air Force has 60 active duty priests and the Army 89. So, uh, But I think it's fair to say that the Navy is the most affected because uh, we are, or they are the most uh, diffuse throughout the world. These numbers work out no matter which branch uh, you're talking about. Uh, they work out to be about one priest for every 1,300 or so servicemen spread all over the world, not counting their families. That's right. And, of course, our responsibility as an archdiocese is not simply to the men and women on active duty, but their, to their immediate families. Uh, in addition, all those who are uh, residents of the VA homes and hospitals uh, are also uh, subjects, as we say, of the military archdiocese. And those who live on military bases uh, with, um, and U.S. government employees outside the United States, even those who are not U.S. citizens. Of course, with the shortage of priests, we can't even begin to cover those who are in the latter category. So our, our efforts are primarily towards uh, with active duty priests uh, in the military and then with contract and civil servant priests with the Veterans Affairs. So what do the Catholics on active duty do in the meantime when a priest is not there to celebrate Sunday Mass or hear their confessions? Well, I, I would say it's, it's very similar to what pretty much all of us have been doing in the last few months uh, with the virus uh, lockdown. Uh, that is, we have our daily prayers, and uh, we use uh, the media to stay in touch with, uh, at least uh, to watch the celebration of Mass, even though we're not actually there. And um, this, is, uh, this, of course, is true of, uh, was true of the great Catholic explorers, you know, who went out, for not only not for months at a time, but for years at a time, and often if they did go with a priest, the poor man would be dead within <laughs> within a year or two, and then they had to sustain their faith until they got back home, or at least they got to a port where there was a priest. So, um, what the military has done to adapt to this is at least with the Navy, Marine Corps, and Army is to have a designated junior officer usually in each unit who is, the Army calls them faith reps, and the Navy calls them lay leaders. And so they're the ones, the kind of the point men uh, for the Catholics in their command. Now the other faith groups have this too, Jewish, Muslim, and so on. So it's the job of the, the, the faith rep or the lay leader to know who the Catholics are in that unit, to gather them for prayer and reflection, at least on Sunday, perhaps during the week, say the rosary, read the scriptures, perhaps the readings from the Sunday Mass. And also, when a priest does come, because we have priests, so to speak, riding the circuit, for example, in Iraq or Afghanistan, they go to the different uh, FOBs, uh, forward operating bases, 
and uh, to visit the soldiers and Marines and sailors and airmen, uh, say Mass, hear confessions, speak with them. So the lay leader or the faith rep will know who these men and women are and make sure that they can get off duty so that they can come to Mass and, uh, and uh, speak to the priest, perhaps go to confession, and also to, to make sure that there's a space where the priest can operate and so on. So these lay leaders, uh, um, lay leaders and faith reps have a vital role in sustaining the faith of our Catholic men and women on active duty. We also have um, I, uh, the different commands will hire with a contract uh, priests to minister on the stateside bases and even in Europe uh, to uh, take care of the, the, uh, the, the chapel community when the priests are, who are there are deployed. And actually, after I retired from the Navy, I spent three years in Germany as a civilian chaplain uh, on, at Ramstein Air Base. And, uh, and that freed up the priests in uniform to deploy uh, to uh, Central Asia. I'm talking to Father Aidan Logan, Vocations Director here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Father Logan, so we're about uh, down to 200 or so active duty priests in all branches of armed forces. Um, how many, uh, off the top of your head, do we need? How many more than that? How many more priests do, do, do we need on active duty? Uh, well, we could use another 200 more tomorrow. <laughs> And I think we just cover all the bases and deployments that the military is currently. Because we have to remember, uh, as with anyone in the military, you can't be deployed all the time. You can't be at sea all the time. It would, you know, it would kill you, literally, uh, even if no one ever shot at you. Um, by the time you get, I can tell you from my own experience, by the time you get to the end of a six month deployment where you've been doing eight out 18 hour days seven days a week you are exhausted physically emotionally psychologically and uh you know and i uh, no matter how you know strong and resilient you are there are limits to what human nature can accomplish and you know that's why uh the uh when when you're getting towards the end of a deployment, they, they tend uh, all across the board to slow down and not do as many exercises and operations because they don't want people to have accidents. What is the reason for the shortage of military chaplains, Catholic military Well, chaplains? it's the general shortage of Catholic priests. You know, the average age of the priests is uh, climbing every year. And, uh, and, of course, it's a population question, too. You know, the vast majority of priests are baby boomers, like myself. I was born in 1948, right at the peak of the baby boom. And so by the time I got to the seminary, uh, we were packed. There was, there was no room. You know, they were, they were adding wings to seminaries and building new ones in the, in the early 60s uh, to accommodate the numbers. But um, the number of uh, the birth rate among Catholics has gone down. Families are smaller. And uh, also the whole cultural uh, climate has changed in, as, in, 
such that uh, the priesthood is not necessarily seen as a good, you know, a good for an individual. Um, and often, young men who are interested in the priesthood that get the, the most uh, pushback from their from their families. Um, this is very unfortunate, and I think it's because there's a misapprehension that uh, the priesthood is not, shall we say, a happy place. Um, I, for myself, I, I, I can't imagine a more wonderful life. But, uh, you know, that's that's uh, depends on whether or not one is called by God to it. Uh, I'd also say that um, we are uh, perhaps somewhat more discriminating now than we have been in the past with regard to those who enter the seminary. Um, in my day, uh, it, the emphasis was very much placed on academics, whereas now we're much more careful in screening people uh, emotionally, psychologically, uh, to, to see if they're ready for the priesthood. Because as the numbers have gone down, the demands on individual priests has gone up. So it is a very demanding life that demands a stable and uh, well-integrated personality as well as mental acuity. So as vocations director, you talk with young men who are considering a, a life as a priest and chaplain in the military. Right. What are some of the roadblocks, the barriers these young men have to overcome to get to that decision? Yes. Well, I think there's a general hesitation in, in our culture towards commitment in general, lifelong commitment. So it often takes them a, a quite a while to, uh, to actually make the move. And I actually have a drawer of files. I call it my sleeper drawer. And every now and then I get a call from a young man uh, from whom I have not heard in four or five years, and now he, he's ready to go. He's made up his mind. So that, that's the first thing, you know, it's just kind of the temper of our times. Uh, as is always the case, I think, um, if anyone thinks about it, the, the lifelong commitment to celibacy is certainly a um, uh, factor that young men have to face and uh, whether or not they, they can commit themselves to that. Uh, now, I have to say that since most of the young men I deal with are in the military already, uh, at the military academies, on active duty, or perhaps in college ROTC, uh, the military has done a lot of the screening for me in terms of human formation, as we say, so uh, and health issues and all of that. These are issues that come up with a regular diocesan seminary uh, vocation director that I uh, am, uh, don't have to deal with because th this screening is already done done by the military. So these men are, and so all the, many of the issues that might come up with regard to mental or physical health have already been dealt with in their case. Um, and I, I know from visiting our men in the seminary, which I do every year, our, our 48 men are spread over 20 seminaries here in the U.S. and in Rome. I constantly get uh, positive comments from the rectors and formators about the quality of these men, and uh, I I can't really take 
all the credit for that. <laughs> I think that's that's a lot of it has to do with the the positive aspects of our of our military culture. Too. Well, the church studies show that uh, the military is a large contributor of priests in the United States, not just for chaplaincy, but the priesthood generally. Yes. Uh, so there's a yearly survey of the newly ordained men, both for diocese and religious orders, and it usually falls out that that about 20%, sometimes less, a little more, are uh, from a military background, either active duty uh, or reserves or from a military family or often both. I think that uh, it's not unusual for young men who are idealistic and motivated to and are fervent Catholics to consider both the priesthood and the military. And uh, unfortunately, some of them think that they have to choose between the two, whereas the, the fact is that it's perfectly possible to prepare for the, uh, the priesthood as a uh, military chaplain candidate. I, I think you'd want to get into that, perhaps. To tell me more about that. Well, each branch of the military has a program called the Chaplain Candidate program. And uh, simple, the simplest way to describe it is the ROTC, but for seminarians. Now, this, of course, is open to all faith groups, not just Catholics. But the idea is that uh, men who are at the graduate school level of their uh, seminary formation or education are commissioned as second lieutenants in the Army or Air Force or ensigns in the Navy and do part of their training to be chaplains while they are in the seminary uh, during the summer, especially. And um, so that, uh, that program is a kind of feeder uh, into uh, the chaplain course of the three branches that have chaplains. Uh, on top of that, or I should say uh, as a complementary program, the Archdiocese for the Military Services has the co-sponsored seminarian program. So this is an agreement between the home diocese and the military archdiocese, whereby the, the seminarian is uh, formed and uh, screened by the home diocese, as they would for anyone. Uh, they send them to the seminary of their choice, but the military archdiocese agrees to pay half of the costs of uh, preparing these men for the priesthood, uh, usually over six years. Uh, on the understanding, number one, that they will also be chaplain candidates, that is, they will be commissioned uh, by one of the branches, and that way we know that they're fit to be chaplains. After they've been ordained, they, come, uh, they can res uh, serve in the reserves while they spend three years of uh, pastoral ministry in their diocese, and then they come on active duty for a minimum of five years. Now, we hope that they will stay longer, but that's what we ask as a payback, so to speak, for our uh, investment. We're talking to Father Aidan Logan, uh, Vocations Director here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Father Logan, how is it that uh, you and your predecessors were able to assemble a program that has produced currently 48 co-sponsored seminarians, whereas just 12 years ago we were down to seven? Well, I think there are several elements to this. 
Uh, one is, of course, uh, the role of our active duty priests and even our contract priests, whereby they are act as our talent scouts to uh, find young men who are, you know, they see them coming to daily mass. Uh, they may be involved in the Knights of Columbus on the base and so on. So that's that's a very important element, uh, this interaction with the priest. You, you can... You can talk to almost any seminarian, and he'll tell you that's a key factor in his vocation. Uh, secondly, uh, our annual retreats, uh, one in the fall on the, on the East Coast and in the spring on the West Coast at a seminary where we bring together usually about 20, 25 young men who have been in contact with us. Uh, many of them, if not most, are at the mil- at the service academies or on active duty. We usually get a, some, even some seminarian men who are already in the seminary who are interested in being chaplains co- and co-sponsored. We gather them together at the seminary for uh, a long weekend. Uh, they interact with the seminarians, attend the liturgy, and we have uh, conferences on the priesthood and discernment, and also. Uh, priests from all the branches of the service are there to talk about their experience, and just to and for us to get, to have a face-to-face contact with them, and to see if they are the kind of men we want to co-sponsor as chaplains. And uh, the second element is, uh, of course, the follow-up uh, and connecting them with their home diocese and getting them into the process of. Uh, discernment with that diocese and uh, get them accepted by a seminary. Uh, In conjunction with that, our uh, interaction with the National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors uh, has been a a key factor because if the vocation directors don't know how this works, we can't have any co-sponsored seminarians. So um, every year I attend with the, the priests assigned to recruiting in the three, three chaplain corps, Army, Navy, and Air Force, the annual convention of diocesan vocation directors, which moves around the country. And we've become a regular fixture there. Uh, we sponsor events during it. We have our displays. And especially for the new vocation directors to explain to them what, what they need to do when someone on active duty comes to them uh, and is uh, wants to uh, pursue uh, a discernment in, uh, of a priestly vocation. So that and the support of the diocesan vocation directors and then the rectors of the seminaries has been also a key factor in all of this. So not only do we meet all the vocation directors every year, but we try to visit all the seminaries in the U.S. and uh, the North American College in Rome every year. Now, now, not all of us get to all the seminaries every year, but we make a strong effort to do that. Uh, not only to meet with our men who are there, but also to uh, speak with and uh, t- discuss general matters of formation and how the chaplaincy works with the faculty and the formation staff and so on. So that's a that all of that has come to play a big part in, in this. So just to clarify, every young man who's in seminary to become a priest and hopefully eventually a military chaplain 
comes from a home diocese. That's right. Or uh, a religious community, for that matter. Uh, so uh, the, the Archdiocese for the Military Services is, uh, if you will, superimposed over these other dioceses that feed uh, our vocations. Well, yes, uh, it, it, we do not have any seminarians or indeed any priests uh, who are uh, permanently part of the military archdiocese. The technical term for that is incardination. Uh, it, it means hinged to, uh, literally in Latin. But uh, So all our priests and uh, are on loan from their home diocese or religious community, and all our seminarians are co-sponsored with their home diocese. For the young man listening to this podcast who's entertaining the possibility of becoming a priest and or a chaplain, what should they do? Well, the first thing I'd say is they should be talking to a, to a priest and have a good spiritual director. Uh, this, this is a, the vital element uh, from the beginning. Uh, secondly, I would suggest that they contact us at vocations at millarch.org. One last question, Father Logan. Uh, we talked about the um, obstacles, the, the reservations that a young man might have about giving his life to Jesus and becoming a priest. What do you say? I know there's no one-size-fits-all answer, but uh, what's your advice to, to the young man struggling with uh, whether or not to pursue a vocation? I would say uh, make the plunge. Uh, there is, you're not going to be ordained the day you arrive at the seminary. <laughs> it's it generally speaking a six-year, maybe even seven-year process, so there's plenty of time to reflect. Uh, and believe me, if you don't have a vocation, uh, the formation team at the seminary will eventually tell you. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, there's no um, substitute for uh, giving yourself completely uh, to the preparation for it. And uh, I, I'm in contact with many young men who have since left the seminary, gone back to active duty in the military or on to civilian life, have married and happily married with a family and so on. And they don't regret having been in the seminary at all. It really gave them a clarity and focus in, our, in their lives that they never had before. So I would, I would say, don't be afraid. You know, there's, no, uh, there's nothing to lose and everything to gain from the experience. Um, and uh, also, but also be open to the process of discernment with the diocese or religious order because um, no one is called, uh, Scripture tells us, to the priesthood uh, on his own, but is called by God. And, and God uh, calls us to the priesthood in and through the church. So it, we need to be able to fulfill the, the requirements the church lays down and submit ourselves in obedience to the call of the church. So um, that, those are the two, the two aspects. I would say a, a docility, a willingness to answer God's call, but also a, a, a kind of a docility and willingness to accept the decision of those 
whose job it is to discern who, who is a fit candidate for the priesthood. Father Aidan Logan, Vocations Director here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you.